There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Red Room. I'm excited to bring all of you lovely people this episode, this monthly freebie for you all to enjoy all about the Silk Road and the downfall of a dark web mastermind. If you like dark topics, dark history, true crime, conspiracy, unsolved mysteries, all of that kind of stuff. We're coming into spooky month, you know, get festive. Remember, you can sign up over on patreon.com forward slash redroompod and you'll be able to get weekly episodes over there. And those episodes tend to be about 60 to 90 minutes. They're great for the commute. You know, we deep dive. You get a host of other things like early access to episodes like this, access to Discord, and just a really nice group of people. We also do a monthly book club. There's lots going on over there. If you want a little look at the kind of episodes we do, you can also pull up the Red Room feed on Spotify. It is now available to listen on Spotify, which is so good. It's been so long that we've been waiting for this and it's a great integration. But if not, and you just want to have a little listen to this topic that we're talking about today, strap in because it's going to get weird and enjoy. Making small talk with your pot dealer sucks. Buying cocaine can get you shot. What if you could buy and sell drugs online like books or light bulbs? Well, now you can. Welcome to the Silk Road. This is how a now infamous Gawker article by Adrian Chen describes the internet's best kept secret way back in 2011. And this article went mega viral. It was viewed over 3 million times and eventually would have a part to play in the Silk Road's ultimate demise. But we will get to that in a while. The Silk Road was a notorious dark web marketplace and it sold everything from black tar heroin to fake IDs and LSD from February 2011 to October 2013. But before we get to its ultimate demise and downfall, we need to talk about its founder, a man called Ross Ulbricht. Ross grew up near Austin, Texas, and he got a bachelor's degree in physics before pursuing his master's in material science at the prestigious Penn State University. And while he was studying there, he became very politically inclined, something not typically associated with the sciences. Specifically, he was very interested in libertarian views on economic theory. He was particularly interested in political philosopher Ludwig von Mises, who believed in policies like zero government intervention within economics. He was a staunch anti-socialist and advocated for free market capitalism. 
Now, this might seem off topic when discussing the Silk Road, but it's actually intrinsically linked. You see, Ross believed that grown adults should be treated with the decision of what to buy, sell and put in their own body and that these decisions should not be made for them or controlled or limited by government bodies or their laws. The Rolling Stone described the Silk Road saying, Named after the ancient Asian trade route that linked merchants from the east to west, Silk Road was a dizzying illicit emporium with neatly organised categories of drugs and weapons, complete with photos and descriptions. There were fake IDs, bogus passports, driver's licences, social security cards. Hacking tools were on tap, including tutorials for robbing ATMs and software programmes for taking control of someone's computer. There were hackers for hire too, even assassins for hire. Hitman, one post listed, 10 plus countries. The ancient trade route and namesake of Ross's future marketplace linking China with the West carried goods and ideas between two great civilizations of Rome and China in times long before import duties, mail restrictions and the war on drugs. After Ross graduated, he dipped his toe in a couple of different entrepreneurial endeavours like day trading, video game design and an online bookstore and all to moderate success but... None of them really took off and he had big plans for himself. He'd been conjuring up an idea in the background that would become the Silk Road for over a year. He described it as the following in his diary. The idea was to create a website where people could buy anything anonymously with no trail whatsoever that could lead back to them. Ross ran the site under the pseudonym Dread Pirate Roberts which is a nod to the hit 1987 movie, The Princess Bride. Now, if like me, you were absolutely obsessed with this movie as a kid, you'll know that the character Dread Pirate Roberts was not just a name for one person, it was a malleable identity given to a pirate who would use it to fool people, passing along the name once they retire to the next Dread Pirate Roberts. We'll be referring to him now as DPR and Ross interchangeably depending on the situation for the rest of the podcast, just in case you get confused. But DPR is Ross and Ross is DPR, or so many believe. We can only assume that this was the intention of Ross to eventually pass on the admin job to someone else and have the Silk Road live on forever. He began growing magic mushrooms as the website's first product, but between this secret project, his day job, and his relationship with his girlfriend, who, by the way, had no idea what he was up to, he began crumbling under the pressure. He recouped and viewed that 2011 would be his best year yet. Writing in his diary, I'm creating a year of prosperity and power beyond what I have ever experienced before. Silk Road is going to become a phenomenon and at least one person will tell me about it unknowing that I was its creator. The Silk Road was hosted on the dark web on something called the Onion Server or Tor and now I've done a whole entire episode dedicated to the dark web and you know we're going to detail on some of the creepy and downright disturbing things that can be found over there over on Patreon and although that goes into more detail some things you should know before we go on in this episode are the following. Number one the deep web and the dark web are two separate things. The deep web is simply what exists beneath the regular internet. Think government access websites, online banking and password protected websites. 
The dark web is the internet that exists beneath both of these, and it's not accessible via regular software or search engines. Number two, to access the dark web, you need this software called the Onion Router or Tor for short. But you can access it from your regular computer. You can even download Tor through Google Chrome. However, URLs on the dark web are mostly just a string of numbers and symbols. They're not there to be found. There's also no search engine on Tor, so you mostly need the direct link to whatever site you wish to visit. Number three, ironically, the federal government helped develop the deep web by creating Tor. They created this software as a way to browse the internet without any detection, like an invisibility cloak. And finally, the dark web exclusively uses Bitcoin for any and all transactions for anonymity purposes. Now, we are all very familiar with Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies now after their, you know, huge peak a few years ago. But 10, 15 years ago, they were seen as very fringe and very, very strange and very new. So it was only really a certain type of, you know, computer nerd who really knew how to use these. So our friend Ross had built the website. Now all he needed were the customers. That's when an anonymous user under the handle Altoid made a post on a forum for users of Magic Mushrooms. It read, I came across this website called Silk Road. I'm thinking of buying off it. Let me know what you think. Another post from Altoid popped up on a Bitcoin forum saying, has anyone seen the Silk Road yet? It's kind of like an anonymous Amazon.com. I don't think they've heroin on there, they're selling other stuff. Ross would admit in his journals that this was him. He wanted to leak the Silk Road's existence to people who would likely have some knowledge of the dark web and trading in Bitcoin. And it turns out he knew his audience because in the next few months, he completely sold out of his stash of mushrooms. Now, Ross was not the only seller on the site. The Silk Road, as he said, was like Amazon or eBay. You know, anyone could sign up and become a vendor and they could be from all over the world. The Silk Road also had its own review process so that customers could see if a vendor was trustworthy or not. In the infamous 2011 Gawker piece, it gives us a glimpse of what was available to buy at the time of publishing. A gram of Afghani hash, one eighth ounce of sour 13 weed, 14 grams of ecstasy, one gram of tar heroin, A listing for Avatar LSD includes a picture of blotting paper with big blue faces from the James Cameron movie on it and much more. But Silk Road wasn't just a place to buy drugs and despite his libertarian views, there were some rules. No child porn, no stolen items and a ban on anything whose purpose is to harm or defraud, such as stolen credit cards, assassinations and weapons of mass destruction. Products would arrive by regular mail, with drugs slipped inside DVD cases, lip balm dispensers. People got pretty creative over how they sold their drugs and they, of course, mostly had fake return addresses on the back. As we mentioned earlier, that Gawker piece, it really blew the site up. Ross would write in his diary that you could easily see the effects it had on the site, driving a massive spike in signups and sales. It also made lots of normal people aware of a website that was selling drugs, including Ross's enemy, the government. US Senator Charles Schumer came out condemning the site and asked federal law enforcement to shut it down immediately. Now, Ross would write in his journals, Silk Road is about something much bigger than thumbing your nose at the man and getting your drugs anyway. It's about taking back our liberty and our dignity and demanding justice. Ross felt invincible. 
He loved pissing off the government and after he made about a hundred grand in a couple of weeks, he knew he needed help to take the site to the next level. So he went headhunting. Now enters a person known as Variety Jones. We'll come back to him later, his story's pretty interesting, but Ross would write in 2011 about him. Around this time, Variety Jones showed up. This was the biggest and strongest willed character I had met through the site thus far. He quickly proved to me that he had value by pointing out a major security hole in the site I was unaware of. He had advised me on many technical aspects of what we were doing, helped me speed up the site and squeeze out more of my current servers. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Friday Jones became a mentor to Dread Pirate Roberts. Helping him with the operations of the site. He allegedly hired programmers to maintain and speed up the site. He maintained and created rules for Silk Road community that were meant to inform him about the site's security vulnerabilities. And he collected intel on local law enforcement's efforts to thwart the site, so to speak, among many other things. Now, in the background, since the Gawker article, the feds have been silently monitoring the Silk Road. They had made some arrests of dealers here and there, but were mostly on the hunt for who was running the entire operation. They targeted those they arrested for information and afraid of lengthy sentences. Most of these guys handed over emails and information on the Silk Road for, you know, the hope of lighter sentencing. Now, DPR became aware of this and realised he needed someone else on the books to help him run the shop. That's when a guy called Curtis Clark Green was hired, or as he was known on the forum, Chronic Pain. As his name would insinuate, this guy was chronically ill and had developed a pretty bad opium problem after an accident he suffered. And he was a sounding board for many opioid users on the Silk Road. He was a very active member of the forums within the site and he mostly posted about safe use and risk-free practice, trying to minimise the chances of overdose in his fellow users. Everything was going well for DPR and the Silk Road. He had a team of people who he could trust, helping him keep an eye on the site's back end and although a few small dealers had been arrested, he seemed to be 
pretty hidden in his invisibility cloak. One day, DPR received a message from a new seller looking to unload a large quantity of cocaine. So he asked Chronic Pain to help him broker the deal. And Chronic Pain helped the seller unload a kilo of coke to a buyer for 27 grand worth of Bitcoin. On January 17th, 2013, Chronic Pain was expecting his package containing said cocaine, but as it would turn out, he would never pass it along because the delivery man was an undercover agent. He was immediately arrested and obviously fell off the face of the earth as far as DPR was concerned. You know, he would have seen this come out in the news and he was furious. He actually trusted the seller enough to confide in him about how annoyed he was and he claimed that Chronic Pain had stolen 350 grand of Bitcoin from the Silk Road's vendors, who he now had to pay back. DPR and the seller chatted back and forth and DPR said he wants Chronic Pain beaten up. That's when the seller said he might know someone who could do it. As their conversation escalated, so did DPR's paranoia afraid that chronic pain would cooperate with the authorities. Then he asked, can you change the order to execute rather than torture? It turns out he'd been speaking to his pal Variety Jones in the background and he encouraged him to take the hit out on chronic pain, saying, at what point in time do we decide to have enough of someone's shit and terminate them? We're playing with big money with serious people and that's the world they live in. DPR offered 80 grand, half up front and half when the job was done, and asked for proof of death, as he put it. Specifically video, but that pictures would suffice if not. And he got his photo, showing chronic pain, lifeless on the ground, after being tortured and strangled over the course of three days. DPR had been living in Australia at the time, but after the chronic pain incident, he moved to San Francisco. He was after a more peaceful lifestyle and he thrived in this city amidst all the Silicon Valley hippies and beautiful nature. By 2013, he had made somewhere upwards of $1 billion worth of Bitcoin. And as the saying goes, more money, more problems. Silk Road was constantly getting hacked Despite all the work on the site security, there were competitors on the market and unfortunately he was getting extorted for around 500 grand by a user called Friendly Chemist. Now Friendly Chemist first messaged DPR claiming he owed money to sellers for drugs and had personal info on DPR that he would not hesitate to leak if he didn't pay up. Now DPR was feeling invincible at this point. He was the head kingpin of possibly the largest online drugs operation in history and had just got away with his first ever assassination. He was living a double life. He had roommates living in a very modest apartment and a girlfriend who had no idea what his day job was, let alone how much money he was worth. And the people he lived with didn't even know his real name. So when faced with more adversity, he decided to take out another hit on his latest problem. DPR put a bounty on Friendly Chemist's head. He had been in touch with a vendor called Red and White, who claimed to be of the money. Now, Red and White hints at the Hell's Angels, and that is a group of people who are not afraid to be violent, and DPR knew this. He asked them for a price to do the deed, solving both their issues. They would get their money, and he would lose the extortion threat. After haggling them down from 350 grand to 150 grand, they struck a deal. Once again, he asked for photo evidence. And 24 hours later, 
he got it. Most of the private messages between Red and White and DPR took place in 2013, but we know that the communication between DPR and Red and White didn't end after this alleged assassination. The Silk Road logs that were eventually published through the court case confirmed that they kept in touch. One log entry was by DPR saying, loaning 500k to Red and White to start vending on Silk Road. Then later entry reading, Red and White flaked out and disappeared with my half mil. Between the initial hits and the loan, DPR paid Red and White $1.15 million in Bitcoin. The payments for the hits came from Ross Ulbricht's own Bitcoin wallet. Just one of the many pieces of evidence that would ultimately come back to bite him in the ass. So, how did DPR or Ross get caught? Well, as I mentioned, law enforcement had been keeping a pretty close eye on the Silk Road ever since the Gawker article. And two years later, they eventually broke Silk Road's cover in a number of ways. Special Agent Yared Deryagayan managed to infiltrate the site and through undercover work became very close with a site user who was very active on the forums and very well liked and trusted amongst other people online. Now he eventually intercepted this person and she agreed to cooperate. When she was eventually given admin privileges to the Silk Road from DPR himself, Deryagayan then posed as her which gave him inside information about the site's operations. Using her admin access, Daria Guyan found the Silk Road servers and pinpointed them in Iceland. Parallel to this, investigators were given a major break when they found a post by the user Altoid, who we know Ross admitted to being, and also posted the first ever post on the internet about the Silk Roads. So this post was also on Bitcoin Talk, that Bitcoin forum that he initially launched the site on. He stated he was looking for an IT pro in the Bitcoin community and to contact him at the following email address, rossulbricht at gmail.com. Now they just had to prove that Ross Ulbricht was Dread Pirate Roberts. When they searched the name Ross Ulbricht through a police search, they discovered that a package containing nine fake IDs had actually been hand-delivered recently by police, wanting to identify and shut down the source. They had written down the report that when they asked him where he ordered the IDs from, Ross Ulbricht said he, quote, might have got them from the Silk Road. They knew they had to catch him in the act, though, and they had noticed that whenever Ross Ulbricht was logged into Gmail, DPR logged onto the Silk Road. So through undercover operations... They ensured he was chatting away to who he thought was an admin. While sitting in the sci-fi section of a San Francisco library, they knew he worked from every day. Ulbricht was arrested in a pretty dramatic and almost movie-like takedown with feds literally pulling off their civilian clothes to show their FBI vests and catching Ross literally red-handed with the back end of Silk Road open on his laptop. Ironically, he was also logged onto a Silk Road page titled Mastermind. Now, although Ross Ulbricht had a super high IQ, he left a pretty messy paper trail behind, and probably because he didn't have time to pull his exit plan into action, which they also found spelled out on his computer. He had written out the plan step by step, claiming he planned on fleeing the country if he got word of a takedown, had conducted and would obtain citizenship in the Caribbean, And he also had listed out other parts of the plan like, quote, encrypt and backup important files on laptop to memory stick, 
Destroy laptop. Destroy phone. Hide memory stick. Get new laptop. Go to end of train. Find place to live on Craigslist for cash. Create a new identity, name and backstory. Seems a little obvious, but how never. On February 4th, 2014, Ross Ulbricht was charged with engaging in continuing criminal enterprise narcotics, conspiracy, conspiracy to commit money laundering and conspiracy to commit computer hacking. On May 29th, 2015, he was sentenced to a double life imprisonment plus 40 years without the possibility of parole. Now I know what you're thinking. What about the dead guys? Well, my favourite part of the story. Chronic pain or Curtis Clark Green didn't die. In fact, he was in on it. Kind of. He was involved with DPR and the Silk Road and he was an active user. But when he got caught, feds managed to convince him to work for them in exchange for a plea deal. And the seller who agreed to kill him, that was special agent Yaradary Guyan all along. When it came to the proof photos, they just staged a murder scene. Remember, Ross Ulbricht or DPR didn't know who Curtis Clark Green was in real life or what he looked like, so it was a pretty easy one for them to fake. The other hit is a bit more of a mystery, though. Authorities found no reports of homicides in the area that matched the supposed victim, so it appears the whole thing may have just been a con. And when we look at those logs saying that Red and White ran off with over a million dollars worth of Bitcoin on them... It seems pretty likely that they were a scam artist who realised the mastermind behind the Silk Road was pretty naive and ripe for scamming. Federal prosecutors alleged that Ross Ulbricht had paid $730,000 in murder-for-hire deals targeting at least five people over the years. But it was later confirmed that no murders had actually occurred. Some were scammers posing as hitmen, the others were the secret agents. One other missing link in this story, though, is Variety Jones. The man who convinced DPR to take out that first hit on chronic pain. Well, it took the feds two more years to track him down. And they found him in Thailand. His real name was Roger Thomas Clark. He operated under various names online like Variety Jones, Simon and Plural of Mongoose. He was sentenced to 20 years behind bars for his role in building and running the Silk Road only one month ago. He is a 62-year-old Canadian national and the sentence is the maximum he faced in accordance to the plea agreement he had made with prosecutors. In his own statement, he said his work on the Silk Road had always been motivated by his political belief that drugs should be legalised, and the hundreds of millions of dollars worth of dark web drug sales he helped facilitate were safer than drug deals that took place in real life. He also claimed that the site helped reduce violence in the drug trade, and that the Silk Road's ratings and reviews prevented the sale of adulterated drugs that would have caused greater harm and risk in overdose. However, he also acknowledged that at least six people named by prosecutors had in fact overdosed and died from Silk Road narcotics. Finally, in his statement to the judge, he claimed, without evidence, that he had spent 800 grand of the Silk Road's revenue to buy hacking tools that could be used to de-anonymize users of the darknet engaged in child sexual exploitation, and that he had provided these tools to the UK and US governments. But none of these claims seemed to garner him any pity, and he was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison, which for a 62-year-old man is looking like a life sentence. So, there you have it. The downfall of the Silk Road. I will be back very soon with more episodes for you all. Remember, for weekly content, you can head over to Patreon. Until next time. Hold up. 